0: You know, I uh, love sports. I'd like to say that uh, I read 17th century poetry all the time, but there's just something about sports that moves me sometimes even more than poetry. Uh, and this is a big sports weekend. It's opening weekend of the NFL, if you've been paying attention at all, and the Texans are playing today. Who are they? Does anybody know who they're playing? The Chiefs, just keeping you awake this morning. Uh, how many can name all the movies that were in that clip? Anybody? Anybody? You were going through them in your mind? What are the things that you celebrate? What are the things that you celebrate? Obviously, we, we, we celebrate sports. We celebrate during sports. Uh, we cheer. We, we yell. We scream. We saw different displays there. I saw a guy, I don't know if you saw this play last week, I think it was BYU and Nebraska, hail Mary at the end of the game, and the guy gets so excited, watch this if we can show this clip, it's a short one, uh, he gets so excited, they win the game, BYU does, and the player, look over here, the right, number 11, he's so excited, <laughs> he hugs the rat. <laughs> woo and they go crazy, woo, we love, we love sports, we celebrate, we cheer, we yell, we scream, some people even paint their faces. We celebrate some other things as well, sometimes little things, like I happen to, I haven't worn these pants in a long time and I find money in your pocket and you're like, yes, woohoo, $5, yeah, that $5 is worth more for some reason. When you make a yellow light, like you get to the yellow, yes, I made it to the yellow light and it didn't turn red at any point in there. When you are, uh, your alarm goes off and you suddenly realize it's Saturday. It's Labor Day. Woohoo! There's like this mini celebration before you you go back. Some of you celebrate at concerts. I heard that there was a, a big concert in town this last week, and there was a lot of yelling and clapping and screaming and woohooing or whatever. Uh, some people celebrate even at on, for TV shows like. Who the bachelor is going to choose, or bachelorette, because they should choose the right person, because that's going to work out forever, right? Uh, some of you celebrate over the, the small thing when your favorite song comes on the radio. It's like that's my jam, that's my song. Woo-hoo. So how do you celebrate when that moment happens, big or small? How do you celebrate? Are you a are you a yeller? Are you a, a clapper? Are you a da- Are you a dancer? You can do that, okay? A little jig. Uh, I don't, what's the, the, the newest dance they have? The nay-nay or the, the whip? I heard it over here somewhere. What do you do when you celebrate? Tell your neighbor real quick, this is confession time, it's okay, you can celebrate things, you're good things. Talk to your neighbor, what is your go-to celebrate? Is it like the fist pump, the high five, the chest? What is your way you celebrate? I I forgot to add this one. I call it the Celine Dion, when you just like pump your chest like this, because Celine Dion does that all the time, I don't know why, but you're just a, yeah, that might be you. I have found that I cannot watch important games in the company of people that I want to like, uh, you know, keep any kind of cred with at all, because... Things happen, I get excited, I jump up, I scream, I'm... sometimes it's just things happen, you just get excited about things, and that's okay, you should celebrate things. There's a lot of good things to celebrate, and that's what we're talking about today, celebrations. And uh, to start us off, uh, I want us to read a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Can you read it with us? I'll try to, to pace this here. It goes like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done that the two halves of creation, heaven and earth, they were, they were meant to live in harmony together. Not that this giant separation, but harmony together. together. I love the way N.T. Wright puts it. If you discover what's going on in heaven, you'll discover how things were meant to be on earth. How things were meant to be on earth. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the question I have today for us is this. What do you think heaven celebrates? What do you think God celebrates? If we're supposed to replicate those two and those kind of to match, what do you think heaven celebrates? What is God? What is he? Woo! Do you think God does that? Do you think the angels do that? I kind of think that they do. I think there's some celebrating happening in heaven. There's a party going on in heaven. We're going to get to that in a second. So what are some things that God celebrates? I think he celebrates kids. Maybe you want to just brainstorm with me today. You can write that question down. What does heaven celebrate? I think he celebrates new life, new birth. I think he celebrates uh, just great things that are happening when people kind of help one another, when they serve one another, when they love one another, when, when there's acts of kindness to one another. I think that heaven celebrates that. I think we see it in the Psalms uh, especially where it talks about the attributes of God. When we look at God and see the majesty of who God is and what he has done, great passages like this in Psalms 100 says this, "Shout for joy, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. Let's party, let's celebrate who God is. Know that the Lord is God, it is he who made us, and we are his, and that feels good. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I don't think that's to be done like quietly and you're just your little... I think we're supposed to celebrate God. I think that happens on, on heaven. and I think it should happen on earth as well. I think God celebrates when, when our, we start to look a little bit like him. When our attributes start to to look like him, when he sees things in us that are are like him, that we were created to be like, he says this word humility all the time in scripture. When we are humble, when we are kind to one another, when we show mercy, when we could have shown vengeance. I think God celebrates that. He celebrates faithfulness and and good good stewardship. I think he celebrates stories. And there's some great stories around this room. Now, there's a passage in Luke that I really want us to look at in this whole celebration theme It's Luke 15. It's very familiar to you. You can flip there. Some of the three most familiar stories in Scripture are there. The first one, it, it, Luke chapter 15, Jesus is teaching. He's, he's, he's spreading the gospel. He's telling about the good news of, of who he is and this kingdom of God. And some tax collectors were, and sinners, this is verse 1, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners, and he even eats with them. Can you believe that? So what's Jesus' response? He tells three stories, three parables, and it's a good way of illustrating things, and that's what Jesus did a lot. He he tells about this lost sheep. Remember the story? The shepherd had 100 sheep, and one got lost, and what does he do? He leaves the 99 sheep and goes after this one lost sheep. And and, and what happens? And you can see this in verse 6. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, party with me, celebrate with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same world, there'll be more rejoicing, underline, in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So one person repents and turns to Jesus, puts his faith in Jesus. Woohoo! there's a party. Can I hear some, some cowbell going on? There we go. There's a party in heaven when one person repents and turns to God. Now, I just want to catch this as a side note. He's talking to the, the Pharisees, and what does he say? Uh, over 99 who don't need to repent. I think he's kind of saying something here. You don't need to repent. He's looking at the the, the church people, and there's something implied there. And then there's this next story. There's this woman, and she has 10 coins, and these are very special to her, these 10 coins. And she loses a coin in her house. She can't find it. I don't know if you ever lost anything at your house. Uh, Never happens to me. But she lost a coin in her house, and she is searching everywhere. She's turning her house upside down, trying to find the coin, and what happens? She finds it. Verse 9 says this, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, party with me, celebrate with me. I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you there is partying and rejoicing in heaven in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. I don't think this is a metaphor. I think this happens. When people come to know Jesus, there is celebrating in heaven. Then there's the last story. It's probably the most famous. In fact, Charles Dickens uh, and Ralph Waldo Emerson said, it's the best story ever told. It's the story of the, the prodigal son. I'm sure you remember it, the lost son. Son says, dad, I want my inheritance. I'm going to go off and I'm going to do my own thing. I'm tired of living here. I'm tired of your way. He goes off and he takes this money and he blows it. He thinks, man, if I just, I have this or that or whatever, my life is going to be great and right and full. And he, what happens? He goes broke. He finds himself at the worst possible, like, pit for, for a Jewish young man to be, which is he's hanging out with pigs, and he's feeding pigs and slopping pigs. And then something happens. There's a great phrase that's right there in the middle of 15. It says this. He came to, you know this part, his senses. He came to his senses. There was just this moment of clarity when suddenly it was like, the light came on. It was like a light bulb moment where suddenly it's just like, and I call it an aha moment. You have an aha moment where suddenly something you didn't see before now becomes so crystal clear. Now, I, I, the thing that just jumps to my mind every time I think of this moment I'm going to date myself, and I've shared this with you before, but it just is, is the thing metaphor for me. Do you remember those magic eye pictures from the 90s? It was this jumbled things on the screen, and they tell you, relax your eyes. I can't speak to you guys. You were not born there, but you remember with me, all right? They were at malls and different places, okay? There were these, these objects and just looked like a whole bunch of colors, a kaleidoscope of colors on a piece of paper. And, and if you just relax your eyes, an object would suddenly appear, right? You're with me? and they would say, just look at one point or look through the picture and you'll see it. Confession, it was like years before I thought, fi- you know, I would look and look and look and I still, I couldn't see it. It would be like a dolphin or bears juggling or something. And finally, people were like, can you, can you see it? Can you see it, can you- no, I can't see it. I can't see it. Well, if you do this, if you try that, I can't see it. And I was just tired of hearing about it. So, yes, now I can see whatever it is, even though I clearly could not see it, okay? I was just tired of it. But after a while, one day, I'm sitting there, I like, I'm going to get this. And it happened. It just, whatever happened, my eyes relaxed, I guess, and suddenly, I see, there it is. There's a dolphin. He's jumping through the hoop. Woo-hoo. Have, do you remember those? That is this kind of like aha moment. I couldn't see it, but now suddenly, I get it. I get it. The light has come on, and this young man, he comes back home, and a father's there to to embrace him and throw what? What does he throw? He throws a party. He throws a party because the lost have been found. The lost have been found. I love it. I love it to hear people's stories. There's, a, there's people's stories all the time where they what? Came to their senses, the light bulb came on, and you got it. Now, there's, for different people, it comes at different places, especially when pertaining to Jesus. And I've kind of listened to people's stories, and they've said things like this. I came to my senses. Things became clear when I realized I had made a mess of my life. When I hit rock bottom, that's when I came to my senses. I came to my senses when the path that I was on was just a dead end. It just led to nothing. I came to my senses. Suddenly I woke up and I saw Jesus for the first time and really who he was when I, when I woke up in a hospital bed and I didn't know what I had drank or who I had been with the night before and suddenly I came to my senses for the first time. I came to my senses when I stopped lying to myself. I came to my senses, and this is mine, when I stopped playing church and I started following Jesus. I came to my senses when I realized that I was just a fake, a phony. I came to my senses when I realized that I was just selfish and self-seeking. I love this story that someone said, my husband and I both had our aha moment about two years ago when suddenly we realized we were living as fans of Jesus instead of being completely committed followers of Jesus Christ. We discovered that God wanted us to totally surrender all we were to him. You know, sometimes people's aha moments come in the worst tragedies of their life. My, my buddy Jason, uh, I was in, in high school with him, uh, and he was the guy that I would pass in the hallways and didn't know it all. I knew his name, and he kind of had a background. He was, quite honestly, he was one of the biggest drug dealers in our, in our high school, and I passed him all the time. And we would make eye contact, and I would give the head nod—the international head nod. Some people go down, some people go up; it doesn't matter. Uh, but I, you know, we just kind of head nod each other. And I knew who he was. I don't know if he knew who I was. But uh, something happened to Jason one day. He was—he was, he was uh, weed whacking. He was whacking weeds in his yard. He was at a golf course and with a, what do you call that? Professional name? Thank you, weed eater. Uh, we call a weed whacker in Alabama. Okay. <laughs> The weed eater, and he was using a metal, uh, and do you remember those? We don't have those anymore. There was metal blades at the end. He hit a rock, and, the, and the, the impact kind of threw him back, and he put his arm actually into the blade. Yeah. So he goes to the hospital, and they are trying their best to save this arm, and his parents are there, and they don't go to church. They don't, they don't know anything about Jesus. And uh, somehow, through a second-hand friend, my youth pastor, gets invited to the hospital. He shows up and just prays with them. Something happened to Jason in that hospital. Something began to disturb stir inside of him. And uh, he shows up at our youth group one Wednesday night. Here's like the, one of the biggest drug dealers in my high school is at youth group. And guess what my youth pastor does? Hey, he goes to your high school. You need to go hang out with him and talk with him. Sure. I'll do, you can't tell a pastor no. Well, you can, but sure, I'll do that. So I began, and it was kind of awkward at first, but we kind of got to know each other. We went to this place called Carowinds. It's in North Carolina. And uh, we, we spent a day there, and something happened. We just kind of connected that day. And Jason, Jason started to show up at church more often. And before you know it, something happened to Jason. I don't think he's this tall, but we'll just imagine that he is. The light bulb came on. And Jason gave his life to Jesus. He came to a census. It took something very difficult in his life for that to happen. And he is following Jesus and has been ever since. And he's raising his family back in North Carolina, sharing uh, life with them. I love to hear people's stories. What's your story? How did you come to know Jesus? Now, I'm gonna, in the next few minutes, I'm gonna give you a chance to, to kind of uh, multitask, okay? You can listen to me, and if you get bored, that's okay. There's a little piece of paper right here on each piece, of, I think, hopefully on everybody's chair. It kind of gives you some prompts. Some of you are writers. Some of you just are not big on writing. Maybe you'll take this home with you. That's fine. But one of the things we want to do today is we want you to celebrate your story, your aha moment, the moment where it all kind of clicked for you, you and God. Now, there's some different questions. I'll let you read those, and you can listen to me at the same time. But we're celebrating stories. I love stories. I talked to my friend Shannon the other day. And Shannon uh, grew up in California. Don't hold that against her. Uh, but she went to college in, in California, and she did not uh, grow up going to church or experience, had any experience in church. And she went to, to this school in, in California, and she got paired up with these sweet mates, that were, two specifically, that were Christians. They went to church all the time. They loved Jesus. And so that kind of began the, the process with, with Shannon and got her attention, but she wasn't. She really didn't have a relationship with God or didn't know God. In fact, she, she describes herself as being agnostic, uh, just didn't really, you know, God was kind of not really there or not existent. So one day there was a boy, uh, and boys, it's kind of nice to, uh, uh, when boys and, and girls at that time in, in college begin to notice each other. And so she noticed a boy, and she began to talk to this boy. I think his name was Carl. And uh, Carl, as she's first talking to Carl, she said, Carl shares to, with her that she's a Christ, he's a Christian. And immediately goes, Oh, well, that just, she, that just ruins everything. You're a Christian. And so that was the, this, the initial reaction there. But through these friends, and through this, this new friend, she began to become more interested in, in this whole God thing. And uh, one day she said, hey, to her roommates, can I go to, can I go to church with you? Absolutely, you can go to church with me. She started going to church. And, and when summer came, she found a church uh, to go to in the summer where they began to wrestle with some tough questions with life and faith. And those questions began to, to begin to open her mind and her heart up to what God was saying in her life. So one day, she, she had a, a phone call with a friend, and the friend basically said this, what, what's holding you back? Why haven't you really put your faith in God? And she said this, you know, I just feel like a, a hypocrite. I feel like a hypocrite because I'm not perfect, and if you knew my past, have you ever said that before? Have you ever thought that before? And, and this friend begins to open up scripture to her and says, you know, there was this person, his name was Paul, and he said this all the time, I'm the worst of these I am the worst of these. And you know, if I can be a Christ follower, so can you. And so this 3-hour conversation later, it ended with her becoming a Christian, a Christ follower. She put her faith into Jesus Christ, and she's much taller than this. Bam. She goes to her roommates and she says, "I'm a Christian now." <laughs> They party. They begin to hang out. And she becomes more and more stronger in her faith and their and experiences grow. She even goes home where her parents were now living in, in Houston, her mom and her stepdad. And guess what happened with them? They said, Well, you're a Christian now, you're probably gonna want to go to church. We'll come to church with you. We'll come to church with you. They started coming to church when when she moved, when Shannon moved to another part of town, they kept going to church. A month later, they, she gets a, a phone call, and it's basically, hey, we decided to become this Christian thing. We become, decided to become Christ followers, and we're getting, we're getting baptized. <laughs> That's what the kingdom of God looks like. And that, guess what? Woohoo! Party in heaven. What if? What if? And we're going to celebrate today. We're going to celebrate. Baptism is in, in, a, in a few minutes. We're going to celebrate. We've celebrated a new life already. What if the things that the kingdom of heaven really party and put as the, the thing we should celebrate the most, what if we celebrate those things the most? What if those were the things that got us so excited? got us so, we can't wait to party over someone. We're so, it makes me so happy, overjoyed when I hear someone has come to know Christ for the first time. What if we were like that? What if that was our mission? Because that's what Jesus' mission was in the world. I've come to seek and to save what is lost. In fact, that's our mission. I don't care what your occupation is. I don't care what your job is. If you've experienced that, the light bulb has come on for you, your mission is to share that joy. There was a story I heard in the news a few months back, and maybe you heard it. It was about a captain, a ship captain. And the ship had overturned. And he actually kind of took off. Instead of being there with the ship and helping out, he escaped without helping anyone get off. Do you remember that story? Maybe you can Google it later. And, and they basically found him and, and they're trying him. I Just thought, man, to just save yourself, to only think about yourself in that moment, what a horrible thing. I wonder what it would be like if we were to get into heaven and to have only have saved ourselves. Who did you influence? Who who did you try to, to reach out and, and, and help and to show the light to? Man, that's a tough question for us. That's a hard one for us. Because we get so caught up maybe in our own life celebrations that we don't hope and want for the celebrations of others. This guy, Paul, that we talked about, he was so good at this. He was probably the best evangelist ever. There's a story in Acts chapter 17 where he goes to this town, and I think it's the town of Athens. You can turn to it in your your Bible. He's there, and uh, as he's there, he's actually supposed to meet some friends there, and the friends are late. It's kind of a layover situation, if you will, and he's just waiting for them to arrive, and so he begins to just walk around town He walks around town and he notices that there are all these idols that are there. In fact, scholars tell us there are probably, at this point, there are about 30,000 idols in this place. And something happens to Paul. He looks around at the people, looks around at the idols, and his heart just breaks. His heart breaks for the people. And I think that's the call of God for us, is to, to just look around. Our world is lost. They are in desperate need. We have friends that are in desperate need of Jesus. They need the hope of Jesus in their life. They need the hope for today that God has, has helped them, is there for, that loves them and, and, and wants to, to save them. So he looks around and he sees all of these idols. And there's something I think that is universally true at that moment that he realized and something that I think is true for us as we look around at humanity, that everyone is searching. Everyone is searching for something. Everyone at some point or another... We've been lost. Now, no one wants to, be, to admit that they've been lost before, especially us guys. We don't want that on us. But there are points in our life that we've, we're lost. We're searching for something. And we're something, there's just something we're searching for to, to, to fill us. There's this, some would say, this God-shaped void inside of us that we try to fill with various other things, from, from power to power to position, to pleasure, those things that we try to fill, but those things will not fill that void in our lives. We're lost, and we're searching for something. There's a a passage in Ecclesiastes that says this, that that eternity is on the heart of of every person. There's something inside of us that we've been created to, to seek and long for this eternal place or this eternal being in God. So what does Paul do is he sees these people that are searching, they are looking for, and he's kind of put their faith in various gods that are not gods at all. They're just, they're just idols, they're just sculptures. So he begins to have a conversation with people. He connects to people. He starts to tell people about who Jesus is. Now, that's kind of an important thing. If we're going to see moments where people get it, they have aha moments, you have to interact with people. You have to share with people. Now, there's something that's immediately going on in your mind right now. It's like, no way. That just, the thought of that scares me, of sharing my faith, or just talking about God. I don't, I don't, I'm not perfect. No one is. I don't know have all the answers. You probably don't. And guess what? Neither do I. I don't have all the answers. But you know what you have? If, you've, if the light has come on in your life, you have a story. How did Jesus come into your life? What was your life like before you knew Jesus. How did that happen? How has things changed for you? How has God changed your heart and your life? What what has he given you victory over? What are some things that you've noticed about who God is? Share your story. That's what Paul was great at. Hey, I'm the worst of these. I was such a bad sinner that I actually, I persecuted Christians. That's how bad I was. But God one day revealed himself to me, I was on this road, I was blinded by this light, and Jesus revealed himself to me, and suddenly, the light came on, and he became one of the best evangelists. And what did Paul say? He said, I don't have wise or persuasive words, I don't have great speeches or things to say, in fact, God doesn't want that. He, through the power of the Spirit, will use your story to help influence and to impact other people. So he begins to talk to these people. He shares the gospel with them. And he he says things like, you can see it in 22 of 17. I see it in every way. You're very religious. For as I walk around, I look carefully at your objects of worship. I have even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So there's a God out there that you've you've even made a statue to. But you can't really put a, a finger on what that God is. Let me try to tell you who this God is. Let me share who this God is. Let me, let me kind of put flesh and bones on who this God is that you've been worshiping and not even knowing who it is. It says this in 1724, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him, catch this part and perhaps reach out and find him though he is not far from any of us. Now there's someone here in the house today that says this, I am so far away from God right now. I have run like that prodigal son so far away from him. I am, You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand what I've said. God is not far from you today. He is right here. He is in, present with us right now, and it only takes a decision, a moment to say, God, I have tried everything, and everything ain't working. I've gotten everything that I thought I wanted and needed and I'm coming up empty. It's it's nothing. I got the position that I wanted. I, I got the car that I wanted. I got the girl that I wanted. I got the this and I got this and I still have this thing that I can't fill. I need you. I need you. Reaching out to this God who is right there and that's what God wants and calls us to do. And we, as the people that have seen the light, get to be a part of that story of showing others, of being almost like translators to the world. I love the part where he says this. He quotes some of their poets. Like, you've heard your poets say, what he's doing here is this. He's taking their language, and he is trying to make Jesus relevant through things that they know, even poets. So that's kind of like quoting, I don't know, you 2 Or someone, an artist here today, when he would say something like, remember that song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For? I'm not going to sing it for you. Uh, I Still Haven't Found What I'm... Maybe you're searching and you still haven't found what you're looking for because there's only one place to find it, and that is in Jesus Christ. He was using things, even like movies, to speak to people. That's what God does. He takes things and he can use it to speak to us. Now, what happens? God, Paul talks to him, he, he shares Jesus, he talks about the resurrection, he shares the gospel, and here's the end part of the story. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. They rejected it. Others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. We've got some more questions for you. We, we don't fully understand this, we don't fully get this, but we want to know more. And at that, Paul left the, the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Light bulb, on. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Rock, a rock Also a woman named Demarius and a number of others. Two people, Dionysus and Demarius. Suddenly, the light came on. There's some people that reject Jesus. There are people that are going to reject Jesus. Maybe you're at that place right now where you just... I'm here today, but I'm just, hey, it's good for you. There are some of you here today, you've got some questions. Like, to be honest, you're just kind of stepping out into faith and you're trying to test this thing out. You've got some things that you need answered. I I encourage you today, seek those answers. Seek God. Put your faith in him. Reach out to him. Talk to others. And maybe you're today, and you've got a story to tell. you've got a story to celebrate. your life, man, your life before, you would never you would never guess what you're, you couldn't even I love to hear stories like this. You wouldn't believe who I was before Jesus. You, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe the things that I did, but when Jesus came into my life, <laughs> it's so much different now. you've got a story to, to, to share and to, to celebrate. and today we want to celebrate those. so We're going to do a few things here. We're going to sing. We're going to sing about a God that is mighty to save. If you've never heard that song before, I just encourage you to read the words. He is capable and able to save anyone. The person that feels like they're the farthest away from God, he is here and present today. You can take a step right now, even as we're singing and saying, God, help my unbelief. I take a a step of faith today, and I want to follow you. We want to celebrate as you're singing. Maybe you want to think about your story. As you've been looking at those questions, you look, think back. Maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was five years ago. Maybe it was 60 years ago when you first put your faith in Jesus. It's kind of nice. It's kind of good for us to remember back to the early years, to remember our first love. And so I want you to remember back to that. So we're going to sing. After that, we're going to celebrate communion. That's when we go to the table and we take elements. And we'll remember a God that loved us so much that would give his life for you and for me. That's what enables us to have these stories, is his grace and his love for us, that he would go to a cross for us so that we can be forgiven. And then after communion, we're going to celebrate baptism. So it's going to be a great time. Let's pray and let's get ready to do these things. God, Lord, I thank you for every story represented around this room. Lord, you know about everybody's life. God, you know about the hearts of everyone represented, Jesus. The great thing about you, Lord, is you see straight into who we are. God, we, don't, we, we, we can't fool you. There's no mask that we can put up. We can fool a lot of people in our lives, God, but you see the real deal. You see straight into us, Lord. God, you know about, Lord, you know about our sin, and that's why you sent your son to die, to take our place, to be the ultimate sacrifice so that we can be forgiven, we can have our shame taken away and we are grateful for that today, God. We can have our guilt taken away. We don't have to live with the burdens of our past any longer and we celebrate that today. God, I thank you so much uh, for this new life that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness and grace. Lord, I thank you for the person today that is right there on the edge. They're right there on the edge, just like Shannon was, and maybe they're saying, I just, I I can't, I can't become a Christ follower, I'm, I'm too, I'd be a hypocrite. God, I thank you, Lord, that for every one of us, God, you have made a way. Lord, I pray that you would encourage that person right now, God, to reach out to you and find you. Lord. God, I pray that you would give us boldness and a passion, Lord, to see others come to know you, to see those light bulbs come on, to have aha moments, Lord, for others, Jesus, that we would celebrate those things. Maybe they would be the thing that we would celebrate the most in our lives, God, instead of things that are, are good, but not the most important things. Jesus. We love you today, God. We celebrate more than all these things. We celebrate you, the author and perfecter of our faith. You are the one that has provided. You are the one that has rescued. You are the one that reconciles our hearts, Lord. And God, we are grateful because you are good. Lord, help us to shout for joy. Help us to celebrate with glad hearts, Lord. Help us not to be reserved, but to celebrate things that are the most important, Jesus. We lift these things to you right now when we pray in your name. Amen. Would you stand? Would you join us?